Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Well, hello, everyone. We are ecstatic to be here with you today. Another episode, another day, another plod through the never-ending cycle of death and despair. (laughs) Today, yes. Yes. (laughs) So... If that's any indication, we are going to actually talk a little bit about some of the people that we've lost this year. We're going to make this kind of a recurring thing because we have a great respect for the people that contribute so much to us in terms of of pop culture. But, you know, in literature and science and music and television, we tend to focus a little more on the more fun things uh, uh, side of that. So it's... um, some of those maybe have more of an impact to the two of us. Would you say that's probably correct, Richard? Yeah, one, uh, you know, in a certain sense, there's a lot of folks who have done a lot of things, music and comedy and TV and all those types of things. I think maybe for you is the same way when you look at all these folks that have passed, there was one that was like, oh, man. And then you start to look at all the rest that have, passed away this year and you're like wow there's a collection of folks that uh had some type of impact on things that you liked or you grew up with so yeah i i, I definitely recognize uh, that hit me with one in particular which we'll talk about all of them in just a little bit oh yeah oh uh, there's there's such a list as i as i was going through it i was originally we don't know how far back we're going to go my initial thoughts was we we'd kind of talk about 2020 as a whole that's not going to happen in a single episode. I already know that right now. Just way too many people that have had an impact have, uh, have no longer with us. Um, but we will probably focus primarily on this month. We might cheat and reach back uh, a little further now. We're recording this at the tail end of May. Uh, so we are talking about May and anything before. So if somebody unfortunately is no longer with us after the end of may it is not an intentional omission it is just the time frame of the recording so you're a sports guy one of the first things i'm not a huge sports guy myself at least not anymore um i i was to a certain extent at one point um so one of the people that we lost did actually end up being one of those few sports people that really kind of is like, oh, I kind of uh, appreciated what that dude did uh, and never ate at one of his steakhouses. But uh, Don Shula, uh, no longer with us. I mean, the uh, coach of the only team that went undefeated in the NFL from beginning to end, including Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's pretty big. Um, well, the, the reason that, I think that made more impact to me is my favorite, my favorite NFL player growing up was Dan Marino. And of course, Dan Marino, unfortunately never, never did much after he went to the Super Bowl when he was really, you know, really young in his career, but his coach was Don Shula. So I, I was just like, I I'm familiar with Don Shula. I knew how good he was. I knew how respected he was. And uh, I, it made it made me pay attention just like I said because I like Dan Marino and he's still probably to this day one of if not my favorite NFL players. Well, Shula was still is the winningest coach 
as they put it in in NFL history. Now, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that's just a matter of how long he was a coach. He was a coach yes. for a really long time. Really long time. But uh, he he just had there was something about him that I realize, and this may have been a perception thing because I was younger when I was watching sports and he was he was a coach, but the way that he conducted business in terms of coaching the Dolphins was kind of, to me, the example that other coaches should have. Uh, he didn't really seem to get all that upset very often. He wasn't combative with the media. Uh, if he was doing anything underhanded, he was doing it really, really good. Nobody ever saw it. He always seemed squeaky clean in, in a lot of respects. And kind of the kind of the uh, almost um, Hollywood movie uh, idea of what a football coach is supposed to be comparing to that to some of some of the coaches that we have current day that are let's say less than ideal in the way that they interact with people and, and the way they do some things and and you're right sometimes that um, respect factor I think is missed out when you look at coaches and you look at wins and losses because like most things you do in sports that's one of the first things I think you look at any any in any measure I mean if you look at uh, uh, Jordan for example people think he's the best well because he is the best but when he went to the NBA finals he was six and0 oh. he won he won six of them and you look at somebody like Kobe or you look at somebody like LeBron and they've won you know five or three or however many everybody's won it's all about the numbers but a lot of times you just don't see the that respect factor roll in and i and i i feel like he's he's got it he's always had it yeah and he just always seemed really nice it's just kind of kind of one of those things you, you know it's like meeting people in real life the people that you end up creating friendships with uh, sometimes you just immediately know I, you know, this person is somebody I want to be around. And I always got that kind of feeling from him. Uh, now and as I say, and, and part of that comes from his, his time as a player, he played before. So he was in the NFL for a few seasons. Then oh, yeah. he coached um, in college and then he kind of moved his way up. Uh, most people know him as the coach of the Dolphins because he was there for such a long time. But he was at, you know, like the the Colts, the, the, the Colts when they're uh, the Baltimore Colts, of course. Yeah. Uh, and he's had his a few other positions, but obviously most people remember him for his years when he was at the Dolphins because he was there for twenty five years or so. Right. Well, he had a nice long life. I mean, dying at ninety—that's that's pretty good, really. <laughs> You can't, uh, I guess it, it depends on perspective, but you know, for me, I, I'm one of the people I want to stretch those boundaries. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to last long enough so that they come up with the technology to put my brain into a robot body, you know, that kind of thing. But <clears throat> soon, yeah. Um, well, since we're, we tend to be more music people, um, let's choose a music person. I'm going to choose somebody that I'm wagering you have no idea who this person is, but is important to me. 
And in fact, we kind of talked about this person a little bit not too long ago, uh, or maybe more specifically the band that this person was involved in. Yeah, and I can't remember that guy's name. Uh, I saw, I, I remember reading about it. See, I, the easy one for me is Little Richard because oh, yeah. he, he was just so. He was iconic. I, iconic. His, his songs, and uh, it, it's not like I would. It's not like I really grew up in a sense with Little Richard. I mean, he's he is he was pretty old too, right? And his music was pretty old. Um, but he grew up in a time where being uh, flamboyant wasn't quite the thing. You know, if you think about um, Elvis, mm-hmm. right? El- Elvis, by even the '80s standards, was super tame. But when oh, Elvis yeah. was popular, he was. He was his. He was very divisive in the sense that America was still in a conservative land, right? right. So right. anytime you see somebody that's just not real cut and dry or real low key, I always felt like that was a very bold decision to make at that time. And of course, yeah. his music spoke for itself, so it, it didn't really matter because he was so talented. But um, you know, I, I think a lot of folks today who made made music or make music have some basis on those bands, you know, from the 50s and 60s. And maybe they know about it, maybe they don't know about it. But, you know, a lot of that is based on music like artists from like from artists from like Little Richard. Yeah, he um, he is kind of like the, the Lady Gaga of his time. Uh, in, in some senses, anyway. But uh, one of the things that I liked about his music specifically is looking at the time frame when he was releasing music, he had a certain level of energy that he put into most of his work that you didn't see in a lot of other musicians at the time. It was, yep. it, he, was he was almost manic in the way that he presented his his art and that's that's something that just kind of smacks you in the face. It's like this is this is something I have to pay attention to. Um, so I always kind of appreciated that he he made you take notice, and that was that was a big thing. Um, now the one I was going to talk about first because I was going to lead up to Little Richard because he's one of the one of the bigger names. But for me, uh, Sweet Pea Atkinson is who I was going to talk about. Uh, now Sweet Pea Atkinson was uh, an R&B singer, but he was part of the band Was Not Was. And we talked a little bit about that the other day, and that was one of my big formative bands that I loved. And uh, so that, that, was, um, that was a little, little bit of a downer for me, especially since I didn't hear about it at first. I, you know, it's one of those things, I, I, you know, you hear about somebody, it's like, really, I missed that? How did I miss that? Um. But, well, I, I mean, so much so much is going on right now besides people that passed away, and I feel like it flashes, and then it goes away because there's so much other, so many other items, so many other things going on in the news now that when someone does pass away in this time frame, it's not that it gets overlooked; it just gets under under attentioned, if that makes sense. Lost in the shuffle of everything else that's happening. Yep. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, and of course he continued making music after was not was, I mean, he was part of a group called the bone shakers, which had a lot of the, the same people involved with it, but it's that kind of combination of R and B and funk and, um, pop and rock and everything all kind of melded together that that group had. And he was a key part of that. His, his sound, you could pick him out as part of the vocals when you were listening and it, uh, that one, that one, that one hurt a little bit. Um, he he was he was he was really good. Who's somebody that uh, you were you were keen about uh, keen about that is no longer with us? Well, I think the the one thing the one person that really made me pay attention to how many folks or who had been passing away was Jerry Stiller. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for for me, I I don't know Jerry Stiller's comedy history. Right. Um, I know Jerry Stiller because uh, plain and simple from Seinfeld. Right. Yeah. yeah that's what and, and he and of course, well, of course, he's got a son that I I guess does good work. I guess you could say, you know, um, it's wonderful. No disparaging the family of the dead. Oh, no, no, I was just uh, actually <laughs> joking because I, huh. Ben Stiller does a lot of good stuff. Uh, yeah, he, obviously, he's directed uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite movie of all time. So uh, it, it's it's partially because right now on Hulu, for example, they have every season of Seinfeld. And right. that show to me is super consumable. So I just sit and I just go through episode by episode all in a row and I can do it while I'm, I can watch a 20 minute episode while I'm having lunch. And then right now I'm in, I want to say season seven, but season five and six and seven are kind of the, where you really develop all that steam. And that's where his character really comes into play originally on Seinfeld. Um, his character was played by a different actor. He got replaced by Jerry Stiller okay. in, in Seinfeld. Which was a so, smart choice. Yeah. With a, yeah. And it's just, uh, his history is way more than Seinfeld. And he was, he, he had his, back uh, yeah, the, the comedy team with him and his wife and just kind of growing up on things. And, and, he was on uh, King of Queens too. I never really watched King of Queens uh, as a, a regular a regular viewing thing, right? I watched it enough to know that it was a pretty decent show, and I liked the actors that went on that were on it. And he was on it, of course. He but he brought it in in that show too. So, but but Jerry Stiller was the one that really made me pay attention to, like, man, we're losing a lot of folks here all of a sudden. Well, he had. I mean, he's he's been he had been doing it for a really long time. I mean, he was he was on Ed Sullivan, man. I mean, when he was still a comedian, uh, he just kind of um, if you kind of mixed. Well, I mean, okay, so he was on Seinfeld. His style made me think if you mixed Jerry Seinfeld with Rodney Dangerfield, it, that kind of the feel that his stand-up had for me. Um, and he was always good. He always made you laugh, had that kind of a, a, a straight on um, delivery, uh, not deadpan, but I mean, it was, uh, 
it was just um, it was really good, and I always 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 enjoyed it. Um, I never he was a little before my time, so I had to see <laughs> recordings of it, obviously. But uh, uh, yeah, that that one he just he seemed like the grandpa you wanted to have in some respects. Yeah, you know? that was that was the feeling I got from him. Um, and 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 he could work with. You know, so many different, uh, I think, actors and his, his comedy came across well in so many different situations as well. So that it's it's not like he was doing a thousand different things, right? He He's done some animated, like he's lent his voice to animated things, a few things here and there. He's obviously done a lot of comedy, but it's, it's, I think if you don't know his history, you just know him from Seinfeld or maybe you know him from King of Queens, it's, it might be worth looking uh, a little bit further back and, and and see some of the stuff that he did. Definitely so. Now back on the music side, there is the writer of an extremely famous song. I mean, he did a lot of songs, but one song that uh, that is unmistakable uh, and has been used maybe a, like a hundred million times in a variety of different things, uh, Mr. Moon Martin is unfortunately no longer with us. He was um, a musician that maybe his most known song. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. I mean, it's just, it's one of those songs that sticks. It's like, oh, that's like American culture almost in in a bow and wrapper right there, that, that song for me. He did a lot of other music too, but uh, that... Uh, yeah, that that song for me was huge. Well, that obviously was probably his one of his biggest hits, I would say. So, oh yeah, definitely so. Kind of um, a no, I just say kind of a, a small thing. Unless you're really a big fan, you may not know much. You may not recognize, yeah, yeah. Um, how about this? More of our '90s thing, sort of, sort of. Um. Denny DeMarchi, uh, probably not a name that you would immediately recognize, but he was a keyboardist uh, that for a time was with the Cranberries. Uh, Cranberries, a band that I didn't listen to very much, but I liked what? their music when I listened to it. Oh, okay. I was going to say the Cranberries were awesome. Now, to be fair, uh, he wasn't with them during their heyday. He he kind of joined after that, but he's been around. The, he had been around the music industry for a really long time, and a lot of people had a lot of respect for him because you know he was he was he was really talented, um, and you know it kind of makes sense. That's why they want him to to come along with that. But I remember I remember seeing a performance or two of the Cranberries that had him in it. Um, that was that was that was a more of again a kind of a small. Uh, personal thing for me. Well, let's let's go to something maybe uh, maybe a little more um, maybe more people would be familiar with. How about back to the world of acting? Okay. Are you familiar with Anthony James? Anthony James. Uh, no. Tell me more. Well, um, he has probably been in at least, I don't know, 20 movies that you have seen. 
<laughs> and you, as soon as you see his face, you will recognize him. The last one he was in was Unforgiven in 1992. So it's it's been a while, but he was always kind of um, he was always kind of the, a bad guy for the most part because he had that signature look, that bad guy look. He's in a lot of television shows. You'd see him in individual episodes like The A-Team and Simon and Simon. And, you know, it's, just, it's, it's one of those things where you go, oh, that dude, uh, I, I know that guy. It's one of those, I know that face. And he was, you know, he was not, you know the cheek structure and the, the, the yeah. cheekbones and then the, the side. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it's 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 not like um it's not like one of those things that he may not be the actor that you would follow from movie to movie, but as soon as you see him in the movie, you go, oh yeah, I know that guy, and you kind of smile no matter what. It's like yeah, I, I I like what that guy does when he's in something. Yeah, the A team. Yeah, I like 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 me some A team. Um. Well, if we go back to um, the, the the Seinfeld folks, um, Richard Hurd was one of the folks, and that was just a recent one. This was in the last few days. Um, speaking of season seven, I mean, that episode, uh, that season, at least the first few so far, features him pretty predominantly um, as uh, George's boss supervisor i guess you could say yeah so uh and he's been obviously like like most of these folks that we speak about and we have our favorites he he's done more than just that particular thing he's been around actually shoot he's been around for a while um as as he, he, like uh stuff oh my gosh as a oh as that secondary person that you're always just like it's that guy like you, you, there's a lot of those that are out there, but uh, I think a lot of folks would recognize him in so many different settings. And and he's done things very recently as well. I mean, the last one he was in was uh, there was a couple movies he's been in in the last. The Mule was one, a Clint Eastwood movie, but uh, so he's he's keeping busy as well. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things that most folks would have seen besides wow. Seinfeld that you would if, recognize him. If you're a geek, like a, a sci-fi geek, for me, he's always going to be Admiral Paris for Voyager. Oh, uh, that, okay, that's, okay, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, some, he was a voice in Fallout New Vegas. That good, was kind of fun. That's a good, uh, that's a good uh, game. Have you, that was that, you played that one, right? Fallout New oh, Vegas? Yeah. yeah, yeah. His voice is unmistakable in that particular game. It, it's, his part is not huge, the, the scene that he's in, but it's, it's unmistakable. As soon as you get to a certain, a certain priest, <laughs> it's like, hey, I know that voice. Who is that? I, what, what, what? No, it's definitely him. Um, he, he was had, in, uh, Buffy as, as well. I, I I mean I wouldn't know what he was in in Buffy, but did did you recognize him or remember him in there? Yeah, he was he was in a single episode, so he was kind of a, a throwaway guest star on that show. So not not really um, not really anything worth 
worth mentioning on that, but he was in Sequest. If you ever watched Sequest, that's right. Yes, I did watch Sequest. Yep, short-lived yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. That that show um, had another actor that is no longer with us. Uh, that died fairly young, unfortunately. That was one of my favorites. But um, uh, yeah. uh, Jonathan Brandis is that? I believe that is correct. Yes. Yes. He, and... he was in movie Sidekicks, which is one of my favorite uh, movies as a kid growing up. And uh, yeah. Also starring Roy Scheider, who also passed away a while ago too. Yeah. This is this is not going to be the. Uh, the <laughs> the happiest of episodes but we still have to appreciate the people that have really contributed to us um he was also in uh if i I haven't found in the reference wasn't he in uh he was in v yes yes he was he had a fairly prominent role in that particular thing uh that was that show that was a huge show for me when i was a kid and uh I would never really think of him as somebody that could be menacing, but I, I seem to remember him being menacing in that show for a short period. Yeah, that was a good show. But uh, he and the thing is, like, I know he's gotten older, like you know, all of us do. But he looked the same. He, yeah. he looked the same the whole time. Like all, yeah. all his character, like his 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 appearances, his expressions, they didn't change. He looked the same. No, yeah, he he had kind of a kind of an ageless quality to him. Well, well once he reached a certain point, anyway. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, so um, I do want to mention. I'm not going to focus on this, but if you're a, a fan of blues, one of the ones that we lost, uh, Lucky Peterson was a big uh, soul uh, R&B kind of uh, musician. Um, uh, if you're like I said, if you're if you're a fan of the blues, I'm not going to get into that too much because not everybody is is really into that thing. But he um, he was kind of amazing. Uh, had had the ability to to play multiple different instruments and had a really fun kind of style the way that he brought things together. If you're if you're a fan of the blues, um, uh, similarly, uh, if you're not a blues person, you're more of a jazz person. Jimmy Cobb. Uh, passed away this month. He was part of the original Miles Davis sextet. Um, he was a drummer. And man, he was good. <laughs> man, he was really good. If, are, are you a jazz fan at all? Um, I don't seek out jazz. But I will say when I was... Uh, I've mentioned this before in our discussions. Growing up, uh, we had a radio station. And it was out of South Bend, and it just played pop and annoying music. Uh, well, that was 80s time frame, so 80s pop and all those types of things, uh, you know, into the, the 90s. But there was a public radio station, 88.1, News, Jazz, and Blues. So right. I that one I could pick up, and that was a great alternative for me to listen to instead of listening to the same old songs get played 10 times a day and i i don't own or collect or could i even reference very much of jazz um, on an individual basis no but i do enjoy listening to it the thing about miles davis that i always enjoyed 
is the fact that he would take a specific theme, a specific timing or a specific um, uh, scale or specific whatever, and he would play off of that and sometimes against it. And in order for that to work, that that syncopation, that that drumming has to be on point. It has to be perfect. Otherwise, it just becomes a hot mess. And and he always was. I mean, he he. And then, of course, they would kind of go off of each other. And it was just it was it was beautiful to, to listen to and to behold. Is the, what's the the album I think that Miles Davis did? It's um, the one that's the most highly regarded of the ones that he did. Does it have like blue in the title? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, that that's the one that I've listened to as an album, as a collection, more so because that I, I read recommendations on that because of how it flows and changes, like what you said, and how it kind of builds off and how it's just a yeah a classic that, in a certain sense. That was kind of blue, um, in uh, nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, yeah, he was he was he was part of that. <laughs> that that was kind of um, kind of uh, yeah, like I said, kind of one of the reasons why that worked the way that it did. And uh, yeah, they were they were they were excellent together. Um, uh, kind of a small thing, uh, thinking in terms of um, well, small thing, it's relative, but something that most people may not think of. Um, there was a gentleman that was a boom mic operator, uh, among other things, uh, that did film work, uh, worked on Star Wars, uh, kind of became an early meme uh, before there were really memes. <laughs> but he, he, there were pictures that were taken, and all you saw was this guy with a boom mic just wearing pink shorts. Um, guy's name's Ken Nightnall, but he, he was involved with a bunch of James Bond films and he did like Supergirl in 84 and Lost in Space and just he was all over the place. He just did a bunch of work and he was immediately kind of branded uh, and you know people just kind of knew him and, and liked working with him to my understanding but uh, if you ever watched uh, uh, For Your Eyes Only or Octopussy, View to a Kill, Living Daylights he was involved in all those. Um, so just kind of a, kind of a small thing. I uh, won't, won't focus on that. I Love do want to classic Bond movies. Right, right. Um, it, there's so many people that go into making those things work and any little piece kind of, it's, it's sad when, when a bit of it goes. Um, but I, I instead what I want to focus on something, you're, you're a huge wrestling fan, right, Richard? Um, I celebrate the entire wrestling collection. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I am, well, at least I was, uh, a huge wrestling fan. Did you see, uh, the individual by the name of Shad Gaspard, uh, passed away not too long ago? Shad Gaspard. Um, he was a, a current or yeah. more current. Yes. Yes, uh, unfortunately found on the beach. He got caught in a, a riptide or undercurrent, right? Yeah, right. He wasn't even, he wasn't even 40 yet. Um, but he was part of a tag team that I found 
fairly entertaining back in the day. Uh, well, that's not really that much back in the day, but you know, like a decade ago, something like that, um, called Crime Time. Um, and it kind of played into some, it's, it's wrestling. It's going to play into stereotypes and it's going to play into some things that are maybe mildly offensive. Uh, but the way he and the other individual pulled it off, they took something that could have just been really, really awful and bad and they made it fun and it was silly and it just, it, they were able to put a shine on it that, that made it just kind of, uh, a little joy to behold. And they weren't always, you know, great. Sometimes they got put into some, some angles that just didn't make any sense or they were part of things like they, they were actually part of one of the the worst things that I think I saw in wrestling. There was a, another wrestler by the name of Lita. Are you familiar with Lita at all? Um, no. Sorry. If not, if not the greatest, one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time, because because you have to understand the time frame that this was in specifically. It's on it was on the tail end of the Attitude Era, um, and so the focus of the business was a little different. And if you were in the women's division, your purpose was to be eye candy. That's it. The matches that you had were often like degrading. Let's have a uh, match in uh, in a bunch of mud. Let's have a lingerie match. Uh, we're not even really going to have a match. We're just going to have you all show up in bikinis and judge you. It was that kind of a thing. Um, so you, the division, for the most part, was filled with very uh, a number of attractive women, but their skill level in terms of wrestling, not amazing. Uh, that was just not the focus, and they just didn't spend the time to really develop it. In that period, there were one or two women's wrestlers that were really, really good. Um, at that time, uh, like Trish Stratus was uh, one of the ones that was really good at that time. Lita was the other. Lita had the um, ability to be able to do some aerial maneuvers. She had some pretty good timing. Uh, she had a good look. She had, she was using, um, finishing maneuvers that were kind of, uh, the same as, uh, the tag team she was a valet for, for a while, but she was able to kind of lend a certain amount of actual skill and quality to a division that wasn't there at the time. So this is the end of her run after, uh, she, she was about to retire and like the very last segment that she was involved in involved the tag team crime time where they basically the whole the whole shtick instead of hey we appreciate what you've done for the wrestling world we're going to kind of go back through some of the high points of what you did and really appreciate it instead the whole shtick was we stole stuff out of your locker and are going to sell it to the crowd here's some of your underwear here's some of this it was it was not great um that may be an understatement, uh, but was uh, it like eighth graders that were writing the scripts for these things? Yeah, it really felt like that sometimes. I mean, I, they, I, they had there was this huge disconnect uh, about what they really should have been doing. Um, yeah, but that may have been the low point for me <laughs> with Crime Time. But for the most part, they were just really fun. Shad was kind of energetic. He was all over the place. He was the smaller of the pair because you'll have that in tag teams a lot. There's the one big beefy guy and then there's the smaller guy. Now, saying he's small 
He is not small. He was smaller than the other guy. <laughs> so he yeah. got to be the energetic one. But uh, yeah, the, their skill in the ring was was pretty solid. I mean, maybe not top tier, but you know, upper mid. And that's kind of where they floated around was kind of the mid card. But, uh, you know, they're really, enter- really entertaining, really enjoying. And it's kind of sad. He was trying to make his way and had to some success made his way into film and television. I mean, because he was in the From Dust to Dawn television series. Um, and he's, he's been actually in quite a few different things. So I mean, it's just, just it's unfortunate and a little too soon. Well, um, I have another artist that I don't want to overlook, although um, his passing was uh, almost a couple months ago right at the end of March. But um, I think we should still mention Bill Withers. Um, Yeah, because I, everybody knows Bill Withers in a certain sense, because you know, his songs, you may not know that they're by Bill Withers, but you know, the songs I'm kind of, I would say I'm kind of new to the Bill Withers game, I guess you could say. Because I was in that boat where I knew his songs, but I didn't know all of the songs were by him, right? The ones that you hear all the time and you were familiar with. And his music is just, the, the hits that he's got, that he, that he has, are just a, like a ridiculous collection of really, really, really fun, good, easy listening I don't know. There's just like so many words you could describe on Bill Withers. And I, I wish I was not so new to the Bill Withers game, I guess you could say, because I've only really started paying attention to him. I want to say in the last few years. And it just amazed me the collection of songs that he's got that you, you know, but you didn't know were all his songs. Oh yeah. He was prolific, man. And his, I just like his, I'm always a fan of things that involve bass of some sort or play off on an instrument that utilizes a bass sound in some sort. And he's just got like that, oh, he's got like the the keyboard sometimes that will, that will, they'll play the effects with, right, that come off and change the sounds of it. And I just love how that sounds. You know, it's um, the as much as I love things like grunge and metal and, and, and rock, I still really, really appreciate and enjoy music that's the complete opposite in a sense, except for country, mm-hmm. because, you know, country's awful. But uh, <laughs> but but this type of music. You know, this type of music, if you just sit down and listen to Bill Withers, I mean, that's that's just I don't know what you call it, like easy listening. I don't know what you call it. Like it's it's a thing where you could do everything. You could sit you could sit on the deck and have a drink. You could mow the lawn with it. You could go for a walk with it. I mean, it's just like it's just so encompassing and comforting that it's I know it's hard to describe. Yeah, he, he touched a lot of people. They had a huge reach and a huge influence on a lot of musicians. Um, 
Yeah, that that one that one's a pretty big loss. Uh, I was not as big a fan of some of his stuff, but it, it, he has so many songs. It's hard not to have a couple <laughs> that you like by him. I don't I don't know if I know anybody that at least doesn't at least like one or two of his songs. Uh, that's pretty impressive, really. I mean, even in the big artists, for the most part, you know, talk about uh, we talked about Elvis briefly earlier. I hated Elvis. Still not a big fan. I don't know of a single song by Elvis that I like. I can acknowledge his importance. I can acknowledge uh, his impact on the the industry. But, you know, even with the stuff that he wrote there, but with Bill Withers, Bill Withers had way more, uh, if my memory serves anyway, than what Elvis released and in in a larger gamut uh, of style. That so I mean it's 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 just impossible to not have at least one song that you like and well for me there's a lot that I liked about Bill Withers but yeah um again kind of as a small note this this one's important didn't really strike me it wasn't super important on on my side because he wasn't involved in a lot of stuff that was really uh, a key thing for me but I have to at least acknowledge it because he was part of something that was really important to a lot of people. Um, Ken Osmond died uh, this last month. Eddie Haskell, man, leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. Yep. Yeah. Um, I know the characters. I know the show. I couldn't tell you anything about the the actual show or the ins and outs of the show. I just know of the show and the characters that are on it. Well, and the thing is, he that was his big thing, really. I mean, he was in other stuff too, but nothing that really spoke. But what else do you really need to be in? Leave it to Beaver was kind of like America in the fifties. It was it was kind of iconic in, in in how how it presented things and it had such an impact on on so many people. So being a part of even one project like that is huge. And I know that that probably affected a lot of people. Uh, similarly, um, uh, there's an actor for me that that died that I enjoyed. Again, kind of not in a ton of stuff, but when he was in something, I recognized it. And that's uh, John Mahon. Mahon? Mahon? I'm pretty sure it's Mahon. Um, he was in quite a few different things, but you were talking about Buffy earlier. He had a recurring role on Angel, at least uh, yeah. for a while. And he, he played the, uh, the police... Uh, retired policeman, father of one of the characters on the show. Um, and he had a really big, you know, for as little of a role as he had, he had a big impact on the show just because he had that kind of presence and you could kind of feel it. And and he was in, you know, almost 80 different projects over the years and you would recognize who he was. He was even in Armageddon, um, Carl, if you know that particular role in Armageddon. Wasn't huge. But visible, <laughs> kind of in the in the movie, you know. Every time I hear the name Carl, I just was like, Carl. Yeah. Carl. Carl. LA, yeah. L.A. Confidential. What? Yeah. But yeah, he had kind of a, a a look about him that was you know just really really cool. Um. Now, for me, what was more um. Another more impactful person as not, I mean, she was an actress, but that wasn't what she was known for. Uh, 
but this one was recent. Uh, Lynn Shelton was a, a producer and a director, worked with Mark Marin a lot. Uh, I know I've talked mm-hmm. to you about stand-up comedy quite a bit. I'm a huge fan of uh, stand-up comedy and certain comedians, Mark Marin being one of them. And I, and I love his stuff. And she um, helped produce uh, or helped, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, uh, direct uh, Glow. Uh, I don't know if you saw that show uh, on, um, it's, a, it's basically a, not a documentary. It's, it's a, one of those um, one of those things like watching the Elton John biography or whatever. It's like, oh, but it goes over the gl- uh, glorious ladies of wrestling and kind of the history of that organization. Show, is that Showtime? Is that what that was yeah, on? Yeah. But she also produced several of his stand-up specials. Um, so, I mean, they were, um, they were married, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, this was, this I, was a... I thought that's what it was. Yeah. Big I mean, loss. he has his own show on IFC, right? The, have, did you watch that very much or... No, unfortunately, I did not. I just didn't have the time. I've seen a few of those episodes. It, it's very entertaining. Yeah. Right? So yeah, so that's that's uh, that's a huge that's a huge loss. I guess kind of the one I've been dancing around that was maybe the biggest loss for me uh, over the course of the the past little while um, in in terms of the entertainment industry. Anyway, uh, probably Fred Willard. Yeah, Fred Willard is, I think, that classic, along the lines of Jerry Stiller, in a sense, where he delivers, what he delivers is so, like his straight face, like you say, deadpan, but it, it's, it's so perfect in so many scenarios that he's in, and he's so consistent how he delivers it every single time. He's very amusing and he's very just so low-key that he's really funny one of the things about how he delivers it it's not even just that it's kind of a straight delivery it's kind of um mix that straight delivery with like a hopeful puppy he has that kind of uh twinkle in his eye when he's when he's delivering his line he's asking a question it's just like oh okay what are we doing and he can't help but just kind of be happy and <laughs> and whenever he's involved in anything. Yeah. Yeah. He's um I, I guess a lot of people would recognize him from his his prominent roles in like A Mighty Wind or Best in Show, those types of things. But I always just kind of see him as that one that one piece that's there in a movie amongst other pieces that just always has that like, gosh, I'm glad he did that type of role. Um, you know, he's in, he's in Anchorman, for example. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, but he's obviously, he's not one of the main characters, but when, when he's there, it's like, he makes that scene awesome because he's there. And that's when you know that's when you know you're you you've got it you when you've got it made is that you you recognize that person and he makes everything better in even those small little bits that he's in for me she, my favorite oh yeah uh for me my favorite probably that he's involved in is maybe american wedding um 
I, I was a, a fan of the American Pie series uh, to differing levels, depending upon which of the four films you're talking about. Um, and in certain aspects of the film, maybe don't age too well. <laughs> and uh, some of it is, is it's going to be offensive comedy, right? So you have to have uh, any, anytime you're going to have a focus on gross out humor and sex humor and things like that, you have to have a grounding element to make it really work. Now, in the first couple of films, that is uh, basically taken, that part is taken by the father figure. Um, I'm spacing his name. Why am I spacing this, this actor's name that plays uh, Jason Biggs' dad? And he's in everything because he's also just amazing. Um, I'm, I'm spacing. It's gone. Uh, but in the third movie, you brought in Fred as the uh, Allison Hannigan's dad. Um, so having both of them kind of in, in some respects offer similar but slightly differing uh, presentations of that father yes. here is it's just so good and when you get them in the same scene at the same time levy that was his name I eugene can't... yes yeah yes that was, uh, that was gonna bother me um but when you get them in the same scene at the same time or anytime either of them interact with any of the other actors and actresses it is just gold I mean, fantastic. I can't help but just smile when I watch that movie and see him in it. And and that's what I was saying before, too, is that even though a lot of these roles that we maybe remember him by, he may not necessarily be the main, the main actor. You always remember him and you're happy to see him in that, that piece that he's in. I, I that's, I think that's one of the higher higher remarks you can say for somebody is that you're you're happy that that person's in that movie. You didn't go to see that person, but you're happy that that person's in that movie. Uh, oh. That that's a pretty good that's a pretty good mark, I, I would say. Yeah, and he was in over 300 productions, so he oh he gosh, and his voice is recognizable too. So even if he does animated stuff, he, you you know, oh. that's him. <sighs> Just kind of kind of sad. So are there any other ones that we should mention before we, we finish up the episode? Is there anybody that you want to make sure we, we mention in our, our uh, respective of, of our retrospective of some of the people who've lost this year? Now, I know we've done mainly the Mayish time frames, and I, I went back to an April one. Uh, do we want to mention anybody from the last three months type thing or uh, just... Let's get one more big one in because I think we're going to, from now on, we're going to do like month by month, just do an episode where we can talk about some of the great people that we've lost over the last month. Um, well, I think there's a couple um, that we should probably mention. Uh, Brian Dennehy was one yeah. and Max von Sydow was oh, another one yeah. as well. I would crush your head like a melon. <laughs> <laughs> his part in strange brew man <laughs> uh, like brian denny he's got a very like a very very recognizable like most of these folks very 
distinguished presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of us maybe our age would would recognize him from Tommy Boy. Oh yeah, as yeah. the as as the father. Um, um, the one thing that always sticks in my mind is a saying. I, I, I want to say it's on. Um, it's on South Park, maybe the movie, and he's there. They're cursing about somebody saying, "No, not this person, not not Brian Dennehy." Or like it's it's just a back and forth about Brian Dennehy. You know why that? Why when Brian Dennehy's name comes up, I instantly go to South Park, and he's not. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't make sense because he wasn't even really part of that. No, show, but just that one one liner, and that why that one liner sticks with me. But, but uh, the impact, yeah. The oh, I forgot Kenny Rogers, but yeah, yeah. we just keep going about all these people. Yeah, uh, Max, you just got to know when to pull them, man. Uh, <laughs> so I think Max von Sydow had more impact, maybe even between us, because he just was in so many stinking things that we enjoyed. You know, one of the things that I've been watching a lot of clips on the YouTubes is um, Dune. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he was was in that. uh, that, The one from the 80s, not from any of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Although there's a new one that's coming out. I mean, even recently he was in... uh, Star Wars, like the, the, the newest Star Wars trilogy, he was in the first one in The Force Awakens right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, he was a, 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 a character, not a prominent, let's say, but an important character in Game of Thrones as well. So he was still cranking along, putting out, putting out work, you know. Um, he, was, he was kind of like, uh, he had a similar feel to me as uh, Lee did, like, who did uh, Lord of the Rings as uh, uh, Saruman. He had that kind of um, stage presence to me. Um, and he has just had that, that kind of signature voice. I mean, it was dignified, but stern and harsh. <laughs> it's true. You will listen to me. <laughs> just kind of that. Ah! <laughs> I uh, loved it. Well, he he was in. I guess it's been a while since we've reviewed um, the original. I guess you call it the original Judge Dredd, but obviously he was in. <laughs> he was in that uh, yeah. Flash. Flash Gordon. I see. I I don't think that people maybe they don't remember or they don't recognize him from Flash Gordon. Maybe they do. I don't know. Flash Gordon. He's... A long time ago, and it's kind of cheesy. And unless you were kind of brought up in that time, I don't I don't see a lot of people really being familiar with that, which is sad. Or if you were um, uh, a fan of Queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's uh, he's you know, he's uh, like bald or he's got like the little thing that he wears on his head and he's got the, the mustache, like the, the big the big goatee. Like you just don't recognize that that's him. If you know you know who Max von Sydow is, when you watch that movie, you don't recognize him. It's, right. it's funny until he speaks. <laughs> and they go, yes. "Hey, wait a second. 
<laughs> what do I know you from? My uh, gosh, he's been in so many things. Yeah, for me, still, it'll, it'll be a Strange Brew is the Max von Sydow film for me. I, I maybe watched that film 30, 40 times as a kid, uh, which is a strange thing to say, I'm sure. But <laughs> he, uh, he, he figured prominently in that particular film, and it was the entire film was silly, except for him. <laughs> he was super serious in that film, and that just made him stand out. It was great. Oh, so you you said you watched that movie a lot when you were a, a kid? Oh yeah, yeah. Now I've seen where you've developed your love for the Canadian folks. The Canadians, right? <laughs> That's part of it, anyway. Did I tell you I watched a lot of SCTV as well? Well, SCTV, you're right. That strictly Canadian. But oh my gosh, the the that thing is a factory of just rolling out killer actors and actresses. Just. Yeah. If folks listening to this podcast don't know about SCTV, oh my gosh, it's just an all-star, all-star cast of people who, I mean, we've already mentioned one today, uh, uh, Eugene Levy. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's just, John Candy came from there. There's just so many people. Yeah, no doubt about it. But who did we miss? Who's important to you? Let us know on any of our social media. We are, of course, at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. We are at Pudding Guys on Instagram and Facebook. We are at Pudding Guys on uh, maybe the most important uh, Patreon, where for just $1 per month, you can support the Pudding Guys as we put out new content, talk to new people, all of that sort of things. Now, there's one small difference. We had uh, um, a forums and it just is not popular enough. I mean, they get more reaction from some of the social media. Uh, and the only people that were posting to our forums uh, were spam. So forums are gone. <laughs> the good spam. Yeah, the good spam. Uh, but uh, replaced with a, a new piece instead where you can uh, take a look at some pop culture death counts. Uh, if that sounds like uh, something that's interesting to you, take a take a gander at it. We're always trying to bring out some new neat stuff and and uh, entertain you in any way that we possibly can. But uh, uh, until next time, uh, keep uh, watching the uh, newspapers and and look for like dead people. No, that doesn't work, does it? You know, that's just awkward. It's just awful. Now, how about we just remember the wonderful people that we've lost and think of the great instances that they just made our life a little bit better.